0: Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. And we have with us today guests from Austin for all people, Nico Ramsey and Mason Ayer. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, AJ. Well, we're here to talk about an issue, uh, and hello back. We're here to talk about an issue that's been brewing since last summer in 2020 and something the firm has been paying paying keen attention to. And it's around this debate for, or now will be a May 1st election for, a potential strong mayor form of government, and just as background for those who aren't familiar with how Austin, City of Austin, is currently run, we are under a council-manager form of government, where we have eleven members of council, including the mayor, um, and then we have a a hired a, a hired city manager who is hired by the city council. City manager, in turn, is the CEO, executive of the city. That person him or that person hires and fires uh, can be hired and fire the police chief. Fire chief, everyone else, they're the highest highest level city official, uh, city staff rather for the city of Austin, and they report in turn to the council. And so uh, this is under we've been under the 10-1 system, uh, district system since 2014, um, ten council districts and then one at one uh, mayor is elected at large. So that's a quick background of this and that bring us where we are. As of uh, this July, a group formed, a group was formed and announced uh, called Austinites for Progressive Reform, for Progressive Reform, who put forth a set of policy uh, or policy positions, one including shifting Austin to a strong mayor form of government. Uh, right now, for those familiar with Houston, that is generally how Houston is run, where the mayor is the true executive, and you have a council which serves as the legislative body. So with that, where we are right now is as of Monday, Austinites for press reform had submitted uh, at least the the requisite amount of uh, signatures to be certified to initiate a ballot uh, initiative vote, which would be on May 1st of this year, Saturday of this year. And uh, your group was launched. uh, You'll get to that, Ben. I know your group, at least publicly, I saw it first this week. Austinites for all people in opposition primarily to the strong marriage Drive. And with that, I want to turn to book to y'all. Uh, I think I can if I, Correct me fill any gaps for being that missing that recap. But uh, if not, we can go
1: from there. I'll I'll see the floor to y'all. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I'll I'll take it away. I think AJ, you did a great job of summing up where we are and what the issues are. Um. Nico and I, as you as you mentioned, are part of a grassroots coalition called uh, Austin for All People. Um. We're not a pack. We're not. We're not accepting contributions. We're not distributing contributions. More, more than anything else, we're just a group of concerned Austinites that um, are looking at this issue. And I, I think the the biggest question that we're asking is why and why now. Um, so just to kind of put it in perspective, I mean, Austin is a thriving city and has been for quite some time. I uh, I was born here in 1980, and I've seen this city grow from sleepy college town to the global tech center uh, that it is today. And a big portion, a big reason why we are where we are today is because we've had mayors and city managers and Austinites working together over the last 30, 40 years to craft smart policy that, that brings companies like Oracle and Tesla and attracts major employers to Austin and, and, and puts Austin on the, all the lists of best places to live and best places to start a business. And so the question we've been asking is, why? Why, why do we need to make this radical change in the way we run our city? Um, and, and maybe even equally importantly, why are we doing it so quickly? Um, I mean, the, the, the ballot initiative would go on the ballot in May, which we know May elections are historically low turnout elections. This is, this is a fundamental change to our city. And it, it just doesn't strike us as having given this adequate time or adequate thought. And so I, um, I, I think we just need to understand why would we wanna make this change when we are a pretty great city already. Nico,
2: and I'd kind of add on uh, to what Mason is saying here. Um, Mason touched on good points about like the business aspect of it, but like let's if we tie it also into the people and what this means for them. Um, One one piece from Austin for progressive reform, they really hit on saying that this would allow access um, for people to be uh, for one higher turnout to move it to like a presidential election or a presidential election year. And that is just really trying to get more people involved in our uh, civic elections. But the deal is this, is that everything that they're saying that they're doing. Kind of again, what Mason said, why are we doing this so quickly? And there is no public buy in either. Um, The only people who know that this is going on are people that a have some sort of Wi-Fi. I mean, if we want to talk about marginalized communities and people that don't have access to information as quick as we do and you're gonna do a complete overhaul of our city government, I mean, it goes completely against what the main message is about democracy for all. Um, because right now, um, you know, to say that we are not represented well by having a city council, um, that logically does not make sense by shifting powers, executive powers, to one person instead of having ten people that represent our neighborhoods and our interests and coming together with um, compromised policy, which is inevitably the best policy that um, benefits more people.
0: Mm-hmm. I know um, at least one of the talking points that's raised uh, was seen in the press and on the on the Austinites Progressive reform, Progressive Reform site. It relates to accountability, particularly, and I mean this. I mean I'm. I think you look at the case of last uh, this most recent summer of the protests and he had calls for uh, the firing of Chief Manley, right? More accountability for those decisions with the elected body, the elected body, rather than in the hands of um, uh, you know of an unelected official. This case being the city manager. So what do you say to folks who you know that's been raised, right? It's just that it's you know as a as a, as a case of when these things arise or may arise in the future, um, having the full accountability be on the like, you know the, on the on the people's officials versus a hired uh, employee?
2: Sure. I mean, I'll say this one line. It's it's a lot easier to get rid of a city manager than it is to get rid of an elected official. So when we're talking about whether it be the police chief or wanting to change up based on certain systemic issues that do exist within city hall, no one's saying it doesn't, um, it's a lot easier to then change that than having to wait another full term of someone's time in office to make that change. And, um, you know, another thing is city managers are not elected officials. They're not partisan. So shifting powers to a partisan elected official who is not trained, could be not trained, sorry, couldn't be not trained to run a, a city government. I mean, it just, that's how we can address these certain systemic issues that we have. Um, and that was a lot easier. Um, Mason?
1: No, I, I completely agree. It's, um, I mean, we're, we're in business. And I mean, if you look at the way a, a business is structured, and I mean, I view the city of Austin as essentially a, a business with a $4 billion budget and 15,000 employees. Um, the shareholders of, of, of business don't select the managers they have a board of directors and, and by analogy, I mean, with the city of Austin, um, having council select a city manager makes a ton of sense because this is a trained nonpartisan official who is able to take a longer term view and isn't merely going to be executing, um, the wishes of his or her political constituents as, as might be the case if you had a, a strong mayor who didn't necessarily have the best interests of the city at heart. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and on the outreach front, I mean, where we are right now, this, you know, presuming the city clerk uh, certifies the, the signatures that have been submitted on Monday, this election's gonna happen. And so this other, the Austinite's Progressive Reform, again, was launched in July, and, you know, has vocally had, they've expressed they've been doing uh, community outreach, I'm assuming on Zoom or other channels since then, what you know, y'all officially launched this or prior month or in, in December. What's the, I guess, the plan going forward for y'all in the next several months, short time frame, COVID and everything else, to to just educate folks because I think, I mean, I would say us three, you know, we're all we're insiders to a degree, right? We know we're we. The fact that y'all you you, you understand the state government how it works to a degree that I think most the average Austinite I don't think would us, right. Um, and so for, for folks who, one, don't even know that we have a council manager for government, I mean, you know, everything else, do you, I mean, just, uh, you know, you don't have to give, you know, spill the secret sauce, spill the plans, but just um, you know, reaching out to those folks, particularly as Nico mentioned, folks who may not, um, you know, particularly in, in communities of color where, or there may, or just, you know, socioeconomic, lower socioeconomic groups where there may not be access to Facebook or, wi- or Wi-Fi or anything else. Um, or folks who are a little more concerned about their jobs right now or getting a job or they're keeping things in their homes, um, just reach out to them and educating them on what's going on, beyond the folks who do have access to all those
1: things. Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest concerns is the timing of all this. I mean, we know that a May election will be a low turnout election. I mean, it, it always is, particularly in an off-year. And so um I don't find putting this major change in front of Austin voters during an off year down cycle election to be a terribly progressive move. And so what, what we're trying to do is things like this, um, talking to various constituencies throughout uh, the city and providing information on these are the facts. This is, this is what we're looking at and by no means are I mean, I can't speak for Nico, but I can speak for myself. And by no means is the current system perfect. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect system. Every system has has its pluses and minuses. But to make such a radical change without Austin voters being properly informed um, is is frankly uh, irresponsible. And and we're just doing our best to get the message out. Mm-hmm. Nico.
2: Yeah. No. Mason hit uh, hit the nail on the head there uh, really just reaching out to people in specific organizations that have the reach that we are looking for to make sure we are reaching those marginalized communities and communities of color. Um, it, it's really breaking down to look like you said, AJ, like they got the signatures. This is, it's going to go onto the May ballot. The best we can do as just volunteers here is to reach as many organizations that we, you know, our privilege to have you know connections with that we know are able to reach those zip codes that are just worrying about staying healthy or putting food on their family's table. I mean that is what people are focusing on that, are focusing on now, um, especially in terms of what's important. If we think about and again, uh, Mason touched on this that the city of Austin is a 4.2 billion dollar enterprise during this pandemic. The people, everyone's been affected, but we've seen that, you know, mom and pop businesses, mom and mom, pop and pop, you know, the these businesses are having, um, they're needing, they're, they're relying on their city government to make smart decisions that way we can get out of this uh, pandemic and be the economically strong city that we are. If we change this makeup of our government and not knowing what the future holds on who will take office? It's going to take years to get back to where we were economically as a city, and if we throw that into the balance by completely overriding what we know, we're going to have a. It's just going to be a really hard time here in Austin for a lot of people who are just trying to get by. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and if if you don't mind, AJ, uh, just following up on one of the things that Nico said. Um, prior to the adoption of ten one most of the city council and most of the decisions that were made on city council came out of one or two different zip codes the idea of 101 the the theory the policy behind that was well let's let's widen the base of people that are represented on city council let's not have let's not have city council be a be a stand-in for 78703 and 78704. Let's, let's widen that base and have represent, representation from all throughout the city, because there are Austinites who live all throughout the city. And the idea that we would go to a, a strong mayoral system where a single individual has the amount of power and the amount of control that, that is being proposed under these ballot initiatives, I'm afraid it would be a big step backwards in terms of representation of all Austinites, and as Nico said, marginalized communities that that haven't typically had their voice heard. And so, t- to us, that's a really, really important thing to think about as as we are as we are looking at these measures that are on the ballot.
0: A quick point, though, too, for those who aren't uh, steeped in Austin. Now. Austin political history in the last 50 years, uh, the point Mason, uh, Mason made about the, the zip codes prior to the ten-one system, we had, Austin had an at-large system, I can't remember the exact number of council members um, who were on, were on the dais then, but yet every member of council and then the mayor were elected at-large, in theory representing the whole city. Um, what turned out, though, what turned out would be that most all but two council members uh, were generally elected from central and west austin and then you had what was called well it was the gentleman's agreement which was (laughs) went from probably the mid you know middle middle of the last decade 19th century 20th century rather through up until 10-1 which where you had one designated black seat and one designated uh hispanic mexican seat and that held up until 10-1 where we had we still have one black council member but um we had on the district district system, we had three Hispanic council members. Um, that's recent, you know, relatively recent history, but I think a lot of folks, again, may not be aware of just the context, you know, which helps these kind of conversations about where we're coming from and the evolution of it. And I know 10 this is just historically was something that uh, the current system had been, um, had been advocated for for quite some time, you know, the late 80s and onward. So um, what would you say though, too, you know, for the representative side, say we are moving the mayor to, you know, under the, it, the proposed re- reform that Austinites for progressive reform wants to, you know, full strong executive and it creates another, an extra, I'm sorry, an additional um, council seat. Just, what, what, is it, you know, what do y'all think about that? So you'd have 11 council members, um, you know, pre- I guess a president or a council president, and then that, that group has, is the full legislative body that go, you know, that counters in the, in essence, the mayor. What, what are your thoughts on there on that? Or is it pretty much just kind of why are we moving this fast on it?
2: Well, AJ, I mean, so, again, correct. Why is this going so fast? Why not? Why during a global pandemic? I mean, we can't say that enough. But also, by making this shift, it completely diminishes, minimizes the voice of a city council. It's, we have a city council for a reason. These people represent our zip codes, and at least we know when they get on that dais that they are going. I think I said this earlier. They are compromising policy that we know will be uh, enacted. We're not relying on a chief executive that could have partisan ties um, to the or, or you know ties to their donors or special interests that aren't thinking about the people first. That's what's concerning about this. So the speed. Of this amendment during again a pandemic, and two, the fact that we are going to be minimizing the voices that already go and fight for us. Um, and at least we know they're thinking about our neighborhoods um, and what's, benef- what's
1: best for us. Well, I mean, I would layer on top of that my understanding and. I I believe this is correct. I mean, AJ, tell me if you've heard differently, but my understanding is that a strong mayor wouldn't even be required to attend council meetings. Um, And so if in fact that's the case, that, I mean, that in and of itself is a a huge diminution of accountability. And I mean, at that point, why do we even have city council?
0: I hadn't heard that, but I know there's, I think, uh, and I'm sure a lot of details will be discussed and deliberated over this next several months, a very robust debate on both sides. I know folks who who are on um, the other side of uh, this issue from y'all, and, you know, we, as a, this is a firm, again, it's something of interest, to, you know, personally to me, as an Austinite, but also to, I know, our clients, and we'll be watching it. Lastly, for those who are, for, for Austinites who, you know, whether as individuals or as business owners and other entities who want to learn more about, uh Austinite, Austin for all people, where can they go?
1: Well, so I, I can take that. Um, so first place you can go is to uh, austinforallpeople.org. Um, there's information there. Uh, we're also um, on Facebook and Twitter. And so there's information there as well.
0: Great. Well, Mason and Nico, thank you both for your time. And again, I know this will be a very robust debate. And uh, you know, maybe if we, as we get close to the, the, May, uh, the, the May election date, let me have you all back on just for another uh, final discussion about an educational and ed- an education for voters who will get out there.
1: Sure. Appreciate it, AJ.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Adrian.